It's easy to use, it's easy to deploy. ETS is a premier IBM business partner. When you are leveraging your data effectively, you're in a position to leverage the cloud more effectively. Delivering you the very best in servers and storage. Hey, so welcome, welcome, welcome. We're at a new IBM podcast, and today's subject is one of two that we're having around data protection. Uh, this is the good and the cool, the new, uh, things that we can do with data protection. Uh, if you haven't heard the other, which is where we've come from, where we're going, and things you need to be concerned about, check that out too, because it's absolutely worth doing. All right, we're with uh, some really unique guests. Uh, so first, I'm going to introduce... Yeah, Tim Conley, principal of the ATS Group, been in data protection solutions for over 25 years. Welcome, Tim. Greg Tevis, I'm with Cobalt Iron and been in storage and data protection for 38 years. Struggling along. And Steve Keniston, I'm a global business development executive for IBM with a heavy focus on the data protection portfolio we have here at IBM. Great. And uh, Steve's actually joining us from London right now where he's uh, speaking on that very subject. So the reason why we, we got a combination of uh, IBM folks as well as ATS, which is a premier integrator, as well as Cobalt Iron, is uh, we wanted to give you a, a real perspective on, um, on data protection, but give it from, uh, from people that, I guess for lack of a better definition, have some war stories or scars, uh, some triumphs as well, I'm sure. So why don't we why don't we kind of talk about some of the things that we've uh, we've done in you know in the past and 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 where you're trying to take things in the future as well? Sure, this is Tim. So I think of some of the most recent things, and we've have actually two of our customers locally here in the Philadelphia area. Uh, ransomware, ransomware. We hear a lot about it. Um, I think a lot of counties in Texas actually have taken a record for number of ransomware attacks that's been hit over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, but we see that going on a lot more these days, and customers are, quite frankly, are not prepared for that. Um, so they have to really rethink things. Um, and a lot of things we're hearing from our customers is they all want to see this shiny new nickel. What's the uh, push-button solutions they can have that can solve the problems day in, day out? Um, and they really kind of get um, pulled in the wrong directions. They're looking at the wrong things, um, and they're not prepared for either current uh, issues they have today, but as I said, with ransomware, customers don't know what to be prepared for. Right, well, let me, let me ask you a question. You said you use the word shiny new nickel. When I when I hear shiny new nickel, it sounds it sounds like a good thing, actually. Um, what great brochures are out there, and people are saying, "Wow, this looks great, easy." Is it what's going on? What do you mean by shiny new nickel? Great question. So customers are being told they could do everything with this new product, this new solution. Uh, the pain points that you have today, they'll magically go away tomorrow. That's just simply not the case, right? There are really great solutions out there today, backing up to the cloud, hybrid solutions. Um, so shiny new nickel is a good thing. Uh, just got to really pay attention to what your pain points and what those solutions can and can't do for you. Yeah, and I think, uh, Tim, good points. I think one of the things that we're seeing also in the industry is that there's so much focus on technology and tools, which is great. They're all evolving and customers focus on that, vendors focus on that, partners focus on that, but really the day and age is changing on us. And now what's needed is really a focus on business outcomes. And so the technologies are, while they're absolutely essential, they need to keep evolving. Uh, the actual experience needs to change because it's still, even with great new shiny objects, there's still pain points for admins and businesses. And as Tim was saying, additional risks to the business that it weren't here years ago. Interesting. So, and 
like, you know, 2016, they said about 40% of all data protection installations would be replaced. Um, I assume decisions, be whether it be a shiny new nickel reason to do it, or a business outcome. We'll talk about a business outcome. How do you, would you measure that? Like why are clients leaping based on business outcomes? I think it comes down to a number of things is success to the business. You're protecting your data. You can recover from your data, your, your data as needed. Um, and you're having cost efficiencies to the business. So it's service level and delivery of service levels for all your applications and doing it in a cost effective manner. Hey, Steve, um, let's pull a guy from the UK in um, today. You know, you've, you've got a, a real history of working with a lot of different places, selling different nickels. Um, give me your perspective on what you're seeing. I mean, you've worked for a lot of places. You clearly understand this space. You're an expert in it. Yeah, th- thanks. Um, in fact, uh, I had the same reaction that you did when I heard uh, shiny new nickel, which was... Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's a fearful, shiny new nickel, I think, right? People get excited, but they also don't know what they don't know. So we always like to talk about um, the easiest thing to change inside of IT is really technology. The hardest thing is process. And we think a lot about, you know, it takes people, process, and technology to be able to kind of adapt to a lot of these changes. So what we're definitely seeing is some fear uh, around how is this going to affect processes, what are the right things that I need to be taking into account? Meaning I really don't know what I don't know. So, you know, IBM has the greatest, um, based on people just voting with their dollars from a, from a dollar standpoint, security business in the world, right? Um, that's keeping the bad actors out. But then there's this fundamental, once the bad actors get in and we know they do, right? The, some, one of the stat is after, you know, some, some cyber ransom attacks fly dormant inside your inside your infrastructure for 170 days or 200 days or whatever the stat is. Once that gets kicked off, then it's rebuilding the infrastructure. We talk about that as cyber resiliency versus cyber security, right? So from an IT perspective, I have to kind of be thinking about both sides. And a lot of times it's two different organizations that deal with that. And then how do we have them talking to one another to make sure that the business is properly protected? So it, I mean, it all comes full circle. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's funny, Tim, we were talking at lunch today when I, I think I said pass to catch up and I don't remember you passing it by the way, but that's another subject entirely. You were talking about your businesses back up as a service. I mean, you've been doing it for a long time and, and you had clients, you know, you, you offer that to them and you've never had a problem but clients are actually saying, well, why don't you use such and such a product and almost trying to force products down your throat. And you're like, why would I do that? <laughs> you know, and you uh, know, is, is the issue not about protecting your data, right? So talk about that. Yeah, so that's a great point. So we do backups of service uh, with SLAs and whatnot. So it's interesting to me that some of our customers try to push us to deploy new shiny new nickels when the quarters that are nice and, you know, crusty and whatever, still working just fine. Um, but again, back to the shiny new nickel stuff, this customer for their VMware environment thinks that there's better solutions out there. And I continually ask the customer, why do you care if I'm giving you hundred percent SLA success that you're uh, requiring of us and you can come back to you? Why do you care? Um, not to say that we're not always literally daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly looking at new solutions because there are some great things out there for cloud, right? Uh, that's the great new thing coming out. Um, 
But the, as a backup of service, they surely really shouldn't care at the end of the day. But uh, we got to be uh, attentive to the new things coming out in the marketplace. Uh, if there are better things, uh, like bare metal restores or being able to dump things in the cloud and bring things up in five minutes, uh, there are new things, new solutions required to do that today. Yeah, and Tom, I think that's what we were talking about earlier. What Tim's saying is uh, coming back. That's coming back to business outcomes, right? And it's like the technologies are great, but it's really about business outcomes. Yeah, and I, I, I think business outcomes relates to a lot what you just said, as well as what Steve just said. It's like tying these systems into your process, and that's that's the hard part. Uh, you know, we did a it's funny. We did a study. I guess um, I guess it's going about in five years now. Uh, 1,200 customers spent about $12 million studying clients and their use of data. And, and one of the alarming things that came out of it was 30% of um, clients actually have an archive process. You know, so 30% had one. I mean, 70% didn't, right? So now you think about now we're looking at these shiny new nickels and, and it's changed. I mean, data backup recovery used to be, let's back it up every day. Let's back it up each week, 30 days, once a year. It's on a fiscal cycle, right? It's, a, it's on a calendar accounting cycle. Um, now things have changed quite a bit. I mean, your email is off to the cloud. Your files are off to the cloud. You may be, your ERP may be off to the cloud. It's all spread across all these clouds. So now the lack of a process is going to kill you, right? I mean, talk about that, guys. Yeah, I'll jump in real fast. Um, when you, you brought up a good subject, which is the cloud. <clears throat> and Is uh, it is it a good subject? Yeah, well, it's a good subject to talk about. Okay. So sure. cloud's fantastic. Again, it's a form of technology, right? It's a new it's a new way to acquire and, and uh, deploy infrastructure. And there's some great things about it. But um, I find customers, um, a lot of times, uh, use of the cloud leads to bad behavior. And that bad behavior includes service levels not meeting their they think we've got to go cloud first and all of a sudden their service levels for backup and you know drop and even more importantly and typically unrecognized is the recovery service levels um and it's like wow this is a great archive but they're not looking at the t total picture and so data governance service levels and then all of a sudden something comes up called costs well hold it cloud's free right uh, we find quite a number of customers over a period of 18 to 24 months, find out, ooh, this is a little different than the experience we expected cost-wise. So there, I always say to customers when we're talking to them, you gotta cloud responsibly. Uh, you gotta have that same enterprise data discipline and governance. You have to watch your and understand your cost efficiencies around the cloud and how to do that effectively and, um, and meet your service levels. I mean, Steve, I, I, jump in on I this. Think I, yeah, I was gonna say, Tom, I think, I don't think Greg's wrong. I mean, I think a big part of this is, is you know, whether it be cloud or this shiny new thing we keep talking about or whatever, think of, think of it as this way, right? You own a law office and you've got a bunch of filing cabinets and then someone comes out with this newfangled filing cabinet that looks cooler and what that sort of thing. And, and so, and it's got maybe better locks on it. So security is better. So, you know, whatever the newfangled feature is, right? And you put it in and you want to use it. The, the reality is, is it's really about organization. And I used to talk about this um, when I was an analyst about a decade or so ago, right? I, I kept pushing clients, especially in the data protection uh, arena, that if you don't have your data classified very well, not only finding it for recovery, but finding it for any other purpose. If you're in a regular, if, you're, if your business is, um, has corporate governance or regulations and you need to be able to do certain things with your data, 
you know, you have to be able to find it. Now, it's great. You can put it anywhere you want. You can use the tools that are in AWS, the tools that are in Google's cloud, the tools that are in Azure, all to your benefit. So that is a plus, right? So cloud is, is helping clients do things better, stronger, faster than they could before. But at the end of the day, whoever's accountable, whoever the, the data steward of the, of the company has to kind of understand where things are. So one of the things we did uh, over the course of the last year is we integrated some of our metadata management technology, Spectrum Discover, into just that, right? How do I extract the metadata out of all the data that I'm protecting, no matter where it lives, and basically just get an understanding through the metadata where it lives, what it's used for, and how does it best need to be protected? Uh, is it is it regulated data and that sort of thing? So. Again, it's a catch-22, right? I, I want to be able to use the tools that are available to me, but I also need to be able to ensure that I know where that information is. Yeah, I want to poke at that metadata a little bit harder. Like that, that same study that we did uh, five years ago came out, 70% of clients had no storage catalog. You know, so it kind of relates to what you're just saying. You've got a lot of data out there, but no catalog, so you're never going to find it, right? Talk to me about, right. how, talk to me about how, that meta, how that actually works and then once you have the metadata, you can do some interesting things with it, like deciding where it'll be, where to, when to back it up. You can do your governance work, you know, to, go into that a little bit more. And I know, Greg, you get that as well real good. So, Steve, poke yeah. it up. Yeah, we, we, I think that um, this whole notion around metadata management is, is, you know, it's been around for a while, but the fact that we're actually, I say we, I mean, I, I mean the, the global we as vendors, are starting to take it more seriously because it's really the only way to start managing your data a little bit better uh, is interesting. So I think so a lot of the technologies are in their infancy stage. Uh, we can do you know three or four major things with Spectrum Discover right now: tag data, tag your tag your different your data in different ways uh, to be able to find it, to be able to move it to lower cost storage, to be able to organize it better, to be able to find it for. Uh, like let's say GDPR reasons or the California, new California privacy law reasons, right? All very positive things helping you to, to keep you out of jail and helping you to find stuff faster. Um, but, but I still think there's more advancements that can, that can happen. So I want to jump on something else Steve said that I think is a really good point and that's, it's a related to what he was just discussing, which was that cross organization um, coordination that just almost doesn't exist in in a lot of companies and i think it's being demanded now by cloud usage and because um, that's coming from all different kind of organizations from devops to the backup team etc um, also security is becoming a, a organ cross organization wide uh, um, demand <clears throat> and <clears throat> and also uh, data reuse and uh, where you have uh, it has, holds a potential for bringing data and presenting that uh, across organizations. And so, Tim, I was wondering, do you what do you see at ATS uh, with your customers in terms of you know organizational challenges? Uh, do you see that? I totally see that. And, and Steve mentioned data classification. I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, our customers really have no idea. So. The infrastructure folks are generally left out in the cold. There's one storing the data, backing up the data, have no clue about what's in the data. So when you talk, start talking about cloud and things like that, they don't know what can move to the cloud, what can't be to move cloud. When they start asking the business or the application folks, uh, that data classification has to happen first, and it's not happening. It's, it's fascinating. 
You know, it's, um, I read it, you know, I hate to study everybody to death, but I read another study and uh, it was, this one was with the CEOs and the CEOs were talking and being asked about data. They ranked um, knowing and client number one, you know, as in terms of data, right? That makes sense. I mean, that's a, kind of an obvious, but data reuse actually ranked 14th out of 15th. And you really think about that data reuse Well, reusing your data. Wouldn't that help number one in a very big way? So Steve, we've, we've put a lot of work into our products and around reusing data. Like, give me more about that. Yeah. It, um, it's funny. I was just in, in the talk I gave the other day, we talked about five reasons for modernizing your data protection environment, right? We hear a lot about different um, companies uh, doing modernization of their infrastructure. And we kind of boiled it down to five things to modernize your data protection environment and, and they're really core solid values right we talk about lowering your cost better performance you know performance being rpos rtos the hybrid multi-cloud we talk about two two other things are cyber resiliency and business agility and on the business agility side that's really where the data reuse comes into play and what's funny is about you know 18 months ago every time i go visit a client uh, or let's say for every 10 clients I visited, the, the, the conversation of cyber resiliency would come up once. And then about you know 12 months ago, it was out of every 10 clients, it came up three or four times. And now I, I, every client I visit, it comes up all the time. Same thing's happening, what, what is happening with um, data reuse. You know, about a year ago, two or three clients out of, out, of a, out of 10, right? Now it's about, you know, 50-50, right? And I think as we go forward, now that clients are starting to get an understanding of the things that they can do, and especially the reuse and the speed of access to information that they want for things, especially as they move to containers or they refactor applications, it's going to become more prevalent. I, I think people were nervous at first, right? Because a lot of times things like reuse come with things like self-service. And 50% of the people I talk to say, hey, <laughs> there's no way. I'm letting anybody have access to this information. And the other 50% say, oh, my God, please give that to me because, uh, you know, I'm overburdened with the number of requests to do things like recoveries or get, a, or get data for, for different access reasons. So it's, it's slowly starting to make a, a foothold, and it's, uh, I think it's only going to continue to grow. Yeah, I mean, so I heard some really interesting comments. Um, so let's, let's talk about data reuse. We kind of talked about that. We talked about what CEOs want. Um, when I, when I hear things like now you're out talking to clients and that data reuse is coming up more and more and it's a 50, 50 type thing. I'm hearing skills. Like, I mean, like why wouldn't people give the CEO what he wants? Why wouldn't you reuse your data? Why would only 50% of the people be, uh, you know, doing and taking advantage of something? It seems like a given and obvious and a, a shiny dollar. <laughs> if they have a dollar, they can shine a dollar up, but, uh, that says skills to me. Um, uh, let's trust and process too, Tom. I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, we, we've always had a particular process for helping for helping clients within it, get data back. Right. So, so, you know, I stick with what I know. And then, so I really trust I'm keeping track of this in the right way. And, and it's, I mean, we are, and I think we all know this, right. It's, but it's a matter of have we convinced the client of that. Right. Hey, Steve, I was going to ask you about that. So are you seeing, from what you just said, are you seeing the need uh, to be this driven from the CEO, not CEO, but maybe CIO level um, in terms of really 
initiating some of these initiatives like data reuse, classification, those kind of things. It seems like uh, the roles have always been from the bottom up, but it seems like maybe there needs to be this cross-organizational drive. Do you see that as well, or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I definitely see the reuse piece um, not as a bottoms up. Um, but more of a, as a, as a top down, right? When we have conversations with C-levels or, you know, the vice president or director of, of IT, they say, oh my God, this is, this is great. I mean, I can, I can reuse this and I don't have to go make copies and I can give the DBA the ability to be able to put that in a fenced environment and not step on production. That's fantastic, right? So then they go to, to the DBAs or, or to the IT administration team and they say, hey, you know, hey, how about how about doing this? And then then they get nervous, right? To, to Tom's point, there's a skills, not a gap. There's a hey, don't get rid of my job. What am, what, what would I be use, useful for? Um, but the reality is, they're so busy, right? And you know, some people obviously you know like to be busy, but you know they're 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 over busy, and these things can help save time so they can go off and do other things. And for 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 the data reuse piece, I, I see that a lot. Yeah, I'd say uh, from an audit uh, checkpoint, right? So everybody's audited. Um, they have checkpoints. Or is your data secure? Um, but I tell you what, there's a lot, at least in my customers, when I'm hearing, there's a lot of ignorance out there, right? Uh, and um, Steve just mentioned, you know, people are busy. So you got uh, sysadmins out there that are being asked about it or being, hey, can is my data secure? They're too busy with their heads down. They don't have time to go do things, which is kind of a, a, an issue for these customers, right? And then secondarily, budgets, right? Is there budgets in there for new tool sets to be able to do this data reuse and whatnot? It's all great ideas, and I think things will mature greatly in the next 12 to 18 months. But right now, there's a lot of ignorance, uh, uh, lack of time, and lack of budget. I mean, so let's, I'm going to try and wrap up. Um, if, I were to, if, I were to think, if I were thinking about data protection today and making a purchase, which it sounds like a lot are, um, be, we'll go around the horn. Like what would be the things that you would uh, must have that are right in the perfect RFP and, and then, um, why call you, why call us, you know, what's the difference in, in what IBM and, and our partners are actually offering? I know Greg and I talk about this all the time. And one, one of the reasons why we partner together is data analytics, right? Um, being able to back up your data, restore your data, but being able to prove that you can do it, prove that you're actually doing it. You know, you need, you need data analytics and data automation, uh, to be able to really successfully do it these days. Yeah, and I'll jump in on that. I, I think Steve mentioned several uh, items that are really important in modernized data protection. And um, in addition to the, some of the ones he mentioned, I would say automation because uh, the tasks and burdens on the storage admins and backup admins is just horrendous and it's not getting any better, um, even though technology has improved. So I would say automation and as Tim's saying, Analytics. There's a lot of growing analytics that can be applied here um, in the enterprise backup space. Uh, it's ripe for good analytics, and those are developing. And I think also I would add, add as a service delivery of technology to try to, again, simplify um, the, the overall experience of enterprise backup so customers are not and admins are not spending their whole lives uh, doing software updates. Um, they, they can just experience of backup enterprise backup as a service is very very important now there's some new as a service backup as a service solutions coming out but most of them are pretty uh low end but true enterprise uh as a service for backup is is coming though and how about you steve what would you offer in terms of advice yeah I, uh, yeah i think you guys hit you know hit the nail on the head as far as 
the capabilities are concerned. What, what what I'd like to do is take it a step further, Tom, to answer your, the second part of your question, which is kind of the why IBM. So I'm really, really impressed. Hey, there's, we all know there's a, there's a hundred different backup vendors out there, and we all know 100% of our customers have backup because it's that crucial these days, and a lot of them are running multiple backup products. What I'm really impressed with is that IBM is really putting a lot of uh, um, uh, revenue behind or funding behind bringing our products more and more and further into the into the future. So, you know, with our integration with Discover, with our integration with what we're going to be doing with Storage Insights, providing a lot of that data analytics that Tim talked about, you know, for what, we're, what we need to be able to do to be able to understand what the success rates are, how do we do what we call AI uh, data protection uh, or, or um, um, you know, intelligent data protection and be able to report back before bad things happen, right? So we'll be able to do things like that. Um, report from one console, one interface, right? Um, and and even to the point where it's not just um, protect or protect plus, it might be third party things that can be reported through these APIs from, from Storage Insights. There are a lot of cool things that we're doing. Uh, protecting containers, right? The future of where IT is going from a from a data refactoring. So we're putting a lot of effort into making sure we're staying absolutely relevant with all of the core capabilities the guys are all talking about. Yeah, it's you know it's also very inclusive too. So it's inclusive of multiple cloud choices, inclusive of multiple data type, whether it be file, container, etc., and inclusive of, of of multiple vendors. You know, so um, so let's wrap with um, if I were to if they were to make that phone call to ATS, uh, what should the experience be? I mean, what is a typical, what happens when they make that phone call? What's an experience? That uh, experience is a great one. If I might so, so, say so myself, um, the experience would be uh, understanding what their pain points are today. What solutions they're looking for? Uh, what business problems are they trying to solve? And then our experience over 75, 80 customers, we bring that to that customer. Um, just uh, pull a little bit of information out of them and then, and then away we go. All right. Well, great. So thanks, everybody. Uh, you've been listening to a podcast from IBM talking about data protection. Tune in for more in the future. The story is in the data. This is Storage Stories Podcast. Thanks for listening.